As we come now to the Word of the Lord to receive His wisdom, uh, I want to remind you that we're in week two of what we're calling the Mustard Seed Campaign. And if Rio Vista Community Church is your church, or if Bethany Christian School is your school, and you were not here for whatever reason last week, please, I'm begging you, go back and listen to the message that we gave last week. This is a seven-week-long conversation, and here's what we did last week. We set the table for the whole conversation. So if you want to know why we're doing what we're doing, we answered that question last week, and you can find it at riomustardseed.com, or you can go also uh, to our website, riovistachurch.com, and find it in either place. So go back and listen to it. But one of the things that I said is that our vision is encapsulated in an image. So we're studying Revelation. John speaks in images. Okay, well, in a less effective way, I'm quite sure. We're going to speak in images too. And what I said last week is I want you to imagine Rio Vista Community Church and Bethany Christian School, don't miss what I say next, as a, that's a singular word, tree. Not two different trees. We exist on two different sides of this. No, no, no. I want you to imagine our church and our school as one tree, deeply rooted in God's word, watered and illuminated from above by God's spirit with a trunk that represents solid biblical, theological, doctrinal, leadership training, academic training, connected in vital community by a vast network of branches, canopied over by this beautiful lush canopy of leaves that represents our worship. And guys, we are a fruit-producing church school tree. We produce the fruit of outreach, evangelism, and word, and indeed both in our city and in places like Haiti and in other places that we're strategically positioned in the world. It's a marvelous tree. And it has a seed that carries forth its DNA. You know, when you cut out a seed out of an orange tree and you plant it in the backyard, as I said last week, you're not expecting an apple tree to come out of the ground. You're expecting a tree to come out of the ground that's like the tree that you took the seed from. So when, what is the vision? It's through the mustard seed campaign to grow this church and this school, this singular tree, to be the strongest, most vital, most fully mature, vibrant, well-resourced tree that as a church and as a school we can be right here on the property that we presently own. And then it's to watch as God raises up pastors and people who are excited about starting new trees and new works after the image of this one that we give the seed of the DNA of our tree to, if you will, and send off with our resources to start other trees, to plant other churches all around our city. So that's our vision in a nutshell. Sorry for the pun, but there it is, okay? Irresistible. And what I want to do today is in a moment to invite our wonderful headmaster, Pastor Sam Smith, to come on up and to bring God's word to us as we continue our study. But to talk to us about Bethany Christian School. It is a marvelously effective part of what we're doing in this city and in the world in terms of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, and that's our mission statement. I'm going to give you some stats. So roughly 80% of the middle school students that are in our our impact student ministries, okay, are students at Bethany Christian School. 50 to 60% of the moms that are in our mom's ministries, moms on a mission, all right, are Bethany moms. 90% of the dads in our dad ministry, same deal. 50% of the students in our communicants class, that's our membership class for students, are students at Bethany Christian School. In an anonymous survey, 100% of our employees agreed with the following statement. 
Bethany Christian School is an effective outreach ministry of Rio Vista Community Church. 100% of them agreed that we work together well as a church and school and ministry. 100% agreed that we foster a healthy spiritual environment for our students and for our families. 100% of agreed that the teachers demonstrate Christ-like love to our students. 39% of Bethany families now attend Rio. 59% of Bethany employees also attend Rio, and not by compulsion. We don't say, hey, you've got to come to church here if you're going to work at our school. And during Sam's tenure, enrollment is up over 40%, revenues are up over 45%, and we are an academically excellent school. We're top 10% nationally. Our eighth graders graduate with a great equivalency, roughly, of a freshman in college. It's wonderful. God has anointed Sam to lead this school, and he has given Sam an amazing team of people, some who have been here for decades, some who have been here since like July but all of which understand that they're not just administrators or they're not just teachers. They're not just people who who help us with our facilities, facility directors, but they are ambassadors for Jesus in our city and through our school and through our church in other places like Haiti. And so with all that said, it's my privilege to invite my brother, my friend, and my fellow pastor to come on up and to bring God's word to us. So come on up, buddy. So, everybody. I was going to let him keep going. <laughs> no, thanks. It's, it's such a privilege to be here. As Tom said, my name is Sam Smith. I'm the headmaster of the school and a pastor. And my wife and I started attending Rio just maybe a year before I came on staff as the headmaster. And we were asked to do a pastoral internship. I was in seminary. And when I came to Rio, one of the things that that Laura and I talked about when we first started attending here is like, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? Because every church ministry we've ever been in, you know, there's issues. And one of the things that I love about this place, and and you find it not only in the leadership of the pastors and the leadership of the session and the members of the congregation is that there is a freedom here. There's a freedom to be authentic. There's a freedom to be vulnerable. There's a freedom to show your scars and your wounds and to come before the Savior collectively to find healing. And at the time that I came here, I needed healing. I'd become bitter and didn't even realize it. And God brought me into this place. And as Tom said, you know, things have been amazing over the last four years, but I've got to tell you, It's because I am surrounded by an army of pastors, and their offices aren't necessarily here. I've been built up and redeemed and restored by the pastors that get up every morning and go into those classrooms, by the people who show up to work, by the the people who show up on Sunday mornings and ask me how I'm doing. This is a church that lives to sow the seeds of redemption and restoration, and you find that same DNA on both sides of the street and families that are broken and kids that are hurting and situations that I wish to God never, ever, ever, ever happened in this world, but they do. And so as our team of pastors, both at Rio and Bethany, our job is to point them to the Savior, the one who can give wings to those tears. And make something beautiful come from the ashes. But I am surrounded by amazing pastors. And I'm so very thankful for that. This week's passage 
It's on the, the big deal. Like, why in the world did Jesus come into this world? Why did he do what he did? It's so that he could secure a future with us, and he's about to describe what that future looks like. And the Apostle John who writes Revelation is given a vision of what this is going to look like, and sometimes he uses language that makes us go, oh, okay, John, yep, all right. It's absolutely beautiful. What your Savior who dotes on you with an affection and concern that you can't even begin to comprehend the future that he has laid up for you. Stunning. Before we get into this passage, I want you to understand something. If you go through the writings of the apostles and their epistles, they describe the church in a pretty peculiar way. Like the Apostle Paul, if you read 1 Corinthians, he describes the church and all of its works and everything that it's doing as God's building, that individually we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. We all have the Lord dwelling inside of us. But what is God doing amongst us collectively? He is creating his building where he will dwell forever. Are you open up 1 Peter chapter 2 and Peter gives us this strange Label. He says that you, we, the church, individual members are all living stones that are being built up into a spiritual house to be pleasing to the Lord. You are living stones. And so when we open up this passage of Revelation where John's about to describe what our future looks like, hold that in mind. You are living stones. Revelation chapter 21 verse 9 is where we'll start today. And John says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. And the angel spoke to me and said, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now who is that? Who's the bride of Christ? We are, right? And so if, if you're waiting for the rest of, of Revelation, you're like, all right, where is this chick? Where is she going to be? When am I going to meet this woman? And here's the deal. You never meet a woman. You never find, oh, she had long blonde. No, 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 no. The most intimate name that you could give the church God gives to us, his bride. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It's radiance, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. So this bride comes down as a city, this holy city, Jerusalem. And it's coming from God, and it says that it has the glory of God. And stop for a moment, because I could preach for six weeks on that. This whole purpose of redemptive history, the whole reason why everything kind of played out, the whole reason why God created us is why? So that, and Paul tells us this in 1 Thessalonians, so that he may share his glory with you. The utter humility of our God. This isn't a megalomaniacal God who sits on the throne going, serve me. It's a God who created you so that he could be in relationship with you, so that he could pour his glory into you and his love and his grace and his mercy and his holiness and righteousness, all in infinite measure to be poured into you for all eternity to enjoy him. Shining with radiance. And it says, 
that this city is clear as crystal. Don't skip past that. Why is it clear as crystal? There's no imperfections. There's no cracks. There's no flaws. There is nothing that will impede the glory of God from shining through us as transparent, beautifully, wonderfully made people of this new city. There's no divisions by race. There's no divisions by agenda. Everything is clear so that we're made individual and unique and beautiful. God's glory shines through us without obstruction. And then John starts getting very repetitive, and he does this for a reason. You'll pick up on this. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the apostles of the Lamb. And what it's telling us is that all the foundation that was laid by the apostles, guess what's building on them? You find it again in 1 Corinthians 3. What is built on that foundation? The living stones. We build up this kingdom of God that will exist and last forever, these living stones. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. Guess how big it's going to be. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod 12,000 stadia, and its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144. Gee, what's unique about that number, math people? 12 times 12. So the height of the wall is 144, 12 times 12 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. And the wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel, and then John lists them. Guess how many? Twelve. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates were made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And we stop here and we go, okay, John, you're a little fascinated with the number twelve. may have picked up on that. The number twelve in the ancient world was the number of completion and perfection. That's why we had 12 tribes and 12 apostles. It's why God ordains 12 months, 12 lunar cycles in the year as the sun's going around. 12 is a cosmically complete and perfect number. So when John is giving us this description of the holy city, he wants us to understand this is perfect. It's complete. It will never be taken away from you. It's flawless. A lot of us... We wonder, why not start that way? God likes a story with bookends. One of the things, as you study Scripture, you'll find that God's Word is very symmetrical and very beautiful and very well-structured and ordered. John is going to go on. He's going to describe to us the way that, that heaven is. But before we do, I want you to stop with me and go back to the beginning. When God first ordained that he would create man to be in relationship with him, to pour out and overflow into him, God put the man in a garden... And this is how that garden's described. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they're both right there. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. We're told that it had precious stones and gold and this is the place where God dwelled with man in perfect harmony. 
And in our mind's eye, when we're left to imagine, what did this look like? This is the image we see. This mountain with the two trees in the middle and the river that flows and God and man dwelling together. And this river that goes and sources four different headwaters. The idea is it brings life to the four corners of the world. And God dwells with man in perfection. And John, when he's telling you about the heavenly city, wants you to pick up on something because this is the way he describes the heavenly city. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And so stop for a moment, and I want you to imagine, what is John describing here? Well, he's describing this perfect world, right? The one that's coming down out of heaven, and on the top of this mountain, God will dwell with his people, his throne will be found there, and from that throne comes the river of the water of life, and on either side of this tree, it's no longer a tree of life and death. Both are now the tree of life. Sharing one root system, that's the only way I can explain it. A tree comes up on either side of the river, and yet it's one tree. There's no more division. Everything will be rooted in the Lord. Both trunks, one DNA. What does this picture look like? Bearing fruit in all 12 months, what does that mean? That means there's no more seasons There's no more season of death. There's no more cycle of vanity that just goes on and on and on with death and coming back again and death and coming. No, there is just full on, full speed ahead, life and life abundantly forever. And so you look at this mountain and what John wants you to understand is what has been taken away from you, the incomplete picture of paradise that started in Eden that man lost Because he spat in the face of God, because really in our hearts we say, Lord, I don't need you. Just let me handle it. I can do this in my strength. I don't like the constraints you put on me. I want to be on the throne, Lord. And our first parents said that to him in Eden, and they lost paradise. And yet somehow, this amazing God chases after us to redeem us, to set us in a place where we will be with him in paradise. Living stones forever. How does that happen? That happens because God went to another mountain and he was between two trees with men and he heard their mocking voices and their scourging. He endured the shame and humiliation of death so that he could reach into the flawed stones of this world and take up all of their impurities, all of their sin, all of their selfishness and arrogance and snatch it from you and take it to himself and go to that cross and pay the penalty for all of that at the same time taking his infinite wellspring of righteousness and saying, it's yours. And as 
He dies. The Roman soldier comes to him with a spear and jabs it right up into his ribs intending to puncture his heart. And John tells us this amazing thing that out of his side comes this sudden flow of blood and water. And what is to be communicated by that? This same picture, God on a mountain with men flanked by trees and all of a sudden here comes this sudden flow. Well, in Eden, it was the river that came and brought life to the four corners of the world. In heaven, it's the river of the water of life that will come and sustain the life that never goes away and on the cross when all goes dark it is that flow that brings life to the four corners of the world and restores paradise to us our mission here as a church is to take the people who are still languishing in the tears having been kicked out of Eden and thrown into the world of darkness and brokenness and heartache and tears And to point them to that life-giving stream. To have them look at a God who sees no expense too great to purchase them. Even his own life. We serve an amazing God. Amazing. Our purpose here is to take that stream and seek out as many living stones for the new Jerusalem as we can find. I met my wife. You'll notice in this picture, I was much thinner and had dark hair. This is uh, exhibit A of what four years as a headmaster can do to a person. (laughs) But my wife, she had just come back from the mission field. She was in Kiev, Ukraine. And when my wife was in middle school, the Berlin Wall fell and communism began to start unraveling in the world. And places became open that had previously been totally closed to the gospel. And so when my wife was in middle school, in middle school... She said, I'm going to go be a missionary someday to that part of the world. And after graduating Wheaton, she joined up with MTW, which is a mission planning organization, and she got on a plane and she flew to Kiev, Ukraine, where she lived for three and a half years, trying to introduce people to that life-giving stream and the life-giving Savior. And it's urgent. You know why? Because 62.6% of Ukrainians are totally unchurched. This formerly communistic nation which trumpeted and triumphed atheism to everybody. 62.6% of the people are unchurched. And so my wife went there. And you know how this missionary organization reaches people for Christ in this part of the world? The same way most other missionary organizations reach people for Christ in the other parts of the world. They plan a school. They give English classes and say, come learn from us. We'll give you a service. And then while they're there, they want to spread the aroma of Christ and show them the beauty of the gospel in hopes that they will come to faith in Christ while they're at the school. That's how Mission of Hope was started, by the way. You look at any missionary organization, you'll find that the way that they reach unchurched people for Christ, plan a school. That's urgent. Let me show you another stat that's urgent. 83% of Broward's 1.8 million residents are unchurched. We're not a formerly communistic nation. We've never held up this agenda of atheism. But the same thing that makes our churches so urgent to send missionaries to Ukraine, my goodness, Ukraine should be sending missionaries here. And what better way to reach these people than to take a page out of the playbook of every missionary organization that you find around the world and plan a school? 
where people who are unchurched are going to come in and smell the aroma of Christ and get a sense for how beautiful his gospel is and how precious they are and how empty all of the world's promises and treasures are next to the Lord. We're talking about this mustard seed campaign and one, just one, of the many, 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 many benefits that we're planning on having from this campaign is to launch three additional classrooms, 66 kids, where those kids are going to come in and they're going to learn about Jesus. They're going to see how beautiful he is. And by God's grace, we hope to bring some of those living stones with us when we go to the new city. So Bethany, you know, I love our namesake. What's in a name, Bethany? You'll see here, Bethany's name actually comes from Hebrew. It's Bet, which means house or place, and Henny, which means figs, place of figs. What does that mean? What's well, paradise? What's the one plant that we know for sure existed in Eden? Everybody always assumes Adam and Eve ate the apple. We're never told it's an apple. Could have been a banana. It's weird to think about, isn't it? <laughs> but the one plant we know for sure was in Eden was figs. Why? Because when they fell, what did they do? They sowed fig leaves. And so this name, Bethany, You found cities popping up or different places that were called Bethany because the name of that really means this is paradise. It's Eden. It's restored. Come here. And just like Jesus loves the bookends where we start on a mountain and we end on the mountain, guess what? He plays a little story with bookends here too. You see, when Jesus comes onto the scene, Bethany is one of those overlooked places in the Bible, but I love it. I love it. When he shows up onto the scene, he's born, he teaches in the temples at 12. But for the most part, when does his ministry start? It starts when he goes down into the Jordan and God opens up the heavens and says, this is my beloved son. And it says that he inaugurates his kingdom there. He's bringing it in. He's advancing the gospel for this three years that starts with him in the Jordan in a little place called Bethany. And Jesus then goes through his life and he heals the sick and he gives sight to the blind and he gives hearing to the deaf and he loves people and he's compassionate to people and he walks with the broken and he calls them to himself and he calls out the religious leaders for their hypocrisy and he's arrested and he's thrown on a tree. He absorbs all of our sins unto himself. He suffers immensely. He is crucified, spat on, buried. And on the third day, Jesus takes sin and death and conquers it. And he is risen from the grave and he spends 40 days with his disciples, appearing to many people, we're told. And then he chooses for the first time ever in history as a man now to return to the throne of heaven now as a man for the first time ever to kick in the gates of heaven and to go and sit on the throne of God as one of us. That's another weird thing to think about. Your God is a man. And where does he choose to ascend into heaven? The other bookend of his gospel at a place called Bethany. And in the middle of that, all the times that Jesus has interactions in Bethany, It's one of the few places where he's welcomed, where he finds sanctuary. It is the place where he gets his last night of sleep before he's arrested the next night in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's where Mary and Martha sat at his feet. It's where he went to raise Lazarus from the dead. 
And that story is so amazing because Jesus shows up and everybody's devastated. Everybody's in tears. Everybody is broken by just how sick and upside down this world is and the enemy of death. And Jesus shows up and Martha's a mess and Mary's a mess and everybody's in their house grieving. And Jesus says, this will not end in death, but for the glory of God. And yet after he says that, he goes and sees Mary's heartbreak. And it says that Jesus is deeply troubled in his spirit, broken up, and he just weeps with them. And it says that all these people who are watching were amazed at how he loved. Man, this guy loves these people. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. And all those people who were there said, I'm following that guy. You see, Jesus brings beauty to tears. He lifts up the broken. He draws near to those who are crushed in spirit. And at Bethany, we do things excellently. We do academics excellently. We do arts excellently. We're working on athletics. (laughs) (laughs) But let me tell you, One of my favorite things about Bethany is the contagious love of Christ that you feel there. The brokenness, the tears, the hands and feet of Jesus working through our faculty members and staff members to show, point them to the glory of God in the midst of their pain makes people look to Jesus and find hope and comfort in that. I'm going to give you some examples. Last night at 1130, I get a text message from one of our pastors who's a teacher at the school. We had a young girl who was brand new to our eighth grade, Andrea, who came just this year. And earlier this week, her brother was involved in an accident that left him with no brain function. And this family is devastated, and they fly out to Texas to be with him. He's a senior in high school. Andrea's devastated. I get this text message last night at 11.30 from one of our teachers Do you know what Andrea was doing 30 minutes before her brother died? She was on the phone with one of our pastors who took the time to love and to invest into that girl. It's not abnormal. I got an email from one of our second grade teachers yesterday telling me that one of her kids announced that he had come to saving faith. Or this young girl who I love to pieces, her name is Lillian. She was out on the playground and they had bring your stuffed animal to school day and her bunny ear got ripped off. And this is a bunny that she's had since she was a little kid and so she's devastated and in tears and inconsolable. And one of our very best pastors, Miss Coleman, who's back there, who I'd put, I'd put up against any pastor I know, comes and says, oh, I know a good bunny hospital, and takes the bunny, takes it home and stitches it together. The next day, she brings this bunny with a hospital bracelet around the bunny's arm and a thing of prescription pills, which I'm assuming are legal. (laughs) And the mom writes us and says, magic happens at our school daily by all the amazing teachers that will, keyword, forever impact the lives of our precious children, and we are so blessed to have this. Lillian Stafford is one of those living stones. Or this. Little Riley Cavanaugh, who's stricken with neuroblastoma and a deadly form of cancer. She goes to the hospital, and as a little kindergarten girl is terrified because she has to stay there, and mom, who's a single mom, can't afford to be with her. And so you know what our student body does? One of the members of this church who also goes there was the president of our student council from the Matsoff family. 
decides that he's going to run a fundraiser for himself and raises $3,800 for mom so she can take a month off to be with her little girl. And she writes me, I'm beyond grateful and thank you. I've cried all day with wings that have tears. After seeing this, thank you so much. My heart is bursting with joy. I'm at a loss for words. Thank you. The support for her is overwhelming. Or the work that we've done in Haiti, we pledged to adopt, to sponsor this village of hope where 62 orphans and the Mission of Hope Complex live with no parents. They were lost either by disease or in the earthquake. They have no hope. And so our students write 313 letters to them and pledge to pack 62 backpacks. And in two weeks, we collected 95 backpacks filled with school supplies and sent them to Haiti. Or this, is a picture of my boo-boo chicken with the hairnet. That's my boy Jacob, where they packed 10,000 meals that were sent to hungry children in Haiti. Half of that went to Mission of Hope. Or this, when that campaign was going on, I go to the copy machine and I see this and it doesn't look very professionally done. So I'm thinking, what in the world is this? (laughs) Lenny's been at it again. But this is a birthday invitation for one of our little, beautiful, beautiful little girl, Stella Maris. And I'm looking at the invitation and I notice a line on there. Perstella Maris's request, no gifts, just feed the need donations. They don't get prizes for this. This little girl gets that living for the next world, living as Jesus lived, is far more important than all the junk and trinkets. And she wants to bring a smile to the face of her Savior. There's a living stone. Or this from a, a second grade mom. Just get this out of the blue. My son brought me to tears. He wants to give every single dollar he has, all $354 that he has in the bank. My son is a witness to his dad, his baseball team, and anyone else that he can make listen to him. My sister always jokes and asks me if he's figured out that he's the poorest kid in class yet. No, because he knows and loves the Lord. He at times still thinks every school teaches about Jesus, who doesn't enjoy the mind of a child. So I read that he's going to give $354, and I think I can't have a second grade little kid given $354. I forward this email to a couple of guys that are in church leadership, and one of our members of the session, I'm going to steal his treasures in heaven, Mark Lottenschlager, says, you know what? I'm going to give that money on his behalf. Tell him to keep it. And by the way, I'm going to sponsor trips to Haiti for the students. Or this one, which was a a really beautiful situation. When we were enrolling students, we had a new applicant coming into the eighth grade. And I noticed on the application form that there were two moms listed. And then over here, there was a dad. And under the, the moms, the faith was listed as Jewish. And under, under the dad is atheist, exclamation point. And so I'm going through this application thinking, you, you realize this is Bethany Christian School. And so I met with the parents and wonderful people, wonderful people. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I hope that they don't sense from me any sort of cast outness. And so she finally does it. She just says, okay, well, I'm sure you read our, our application. What do you think? Would we be welcome here? And I said, well, let me tell you, the school believes in absolute truth. We hold firm to the word of God. And I want you to know going in that 
We're going to stay there. We're not going to be moved off of center. But let me tell you something else. You and his dad and him will be loved more wildly here than any other place you could ever go. So graduation comes, he comes, he graduates off stage, and afterwards this lady, who in Greek her name means God, incidentally, runs and gives me a great big hug, sobbing, tears, and tells me what she then again sent me in an email. I'm so thankful for how Bethany has loved us and our son. I feel that we made the best decision ever having our son at Bethany last year. You all have made such a difference for him. It's been wonderful. And it's not too late to build a high school, just saying. Which, for the record, yes, it is. <laughs> and I've got two more because they encourage me. This is your ministry. This from a, a lady who suffered abuse and felt very out of place and unloved. She says, God is in this place. Three years ago, I thought I knew who the Lord was, but I was so wrong. I'm thankful for the life that has been restored to me by being here. I'm thankful for the relationship with the Lord that has been given back to me as he does this unexplainable work in me. Nothing is more precious to me. Bethany has been the greatest blessing of my life. Living stone upon living stone. And I wish I could bring my whole inbox and just go, tear. Or this next one, who's one of the most beautiful people that I've ever met in my life, but has self-image issues and an eating disorder that she has conquered, writes this, I cannot even begin to put into words the effect that Bethany has had on my marriage and my spiritual life. I have never felt more beautiful until I realize God's true love for me and how much he truly adores me. Bethany is a special place. I never thought a place like this existed. It's truly amazing to see God at work here. God's glory is shining through every crack and crevice here. My relationship with the Lord has never been closer, and I know that it will only continue to grow. Another living stone. See, what we're about here is is building not for this city, not for this day. We're about building that city that John is describing, thinking that one day that every little one that we love, every parent we encounter might one day, by God's grace, be one of those radiant stones that's shining with all the glory of God, whose imperfections and impurities and brokenness is all gone and they are clear as crystal. We're going to forget the work that we do, but God will not forget These cities will crumble, but that one won't. When we live, we need to be more focused about the living stones than the dead ones. You know, I found out a very curious fact a week and a half ago that I never knew. I've walked into the building across the street more than a thousand times. I don't know. I don't know the math. Headmaster. Anyway. Thousands of times I've walked in and out that building, and a week and a half ago I found out that that building is called the Shulton Building. The Shulton Building? What is the Shulton Building? Who's Shulton? Well, if you remember, Tom's talked about how we used to send families that would get in boats and they would go to the ends of the earth to spread the gospel. One of those families was the Shulton family. A guy by the name of Bernie Shulton went to Africa where he was martyred for his faith. He gave everything. For the spread of the gospel. They named the school building after him. And until a week and a half ago, I had no idea who he was. But God knew. 
God right now is with him. And in that heavenly city, the fingerprints of Bernie Shulton will be over so many stones that he is storing up for himself the treasure and the bliss of knowing that. See, this life is going to go. That life's forever. Where do you want to invest? Last thing, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this couple. They are the personification of Bethany. Dave and Barb Ingram, Dave was a pastor here for years and years. And before I came here, like I had heard the stories of Dave Ingram, it seems like he baptized everybody under the age of 21 in Broward County. Like this guy loved people. He had a nickname for everybody. He loved them to his core, his wife, who I used to call the personification of peace, this wonderful source of wisdom and encouragement and grace. And they were so wonderful here. They loved like you wouldn't believe. My first year here, Dave was battling found out that his cancer had come out of remission and that he was battling for his life. I had a lot of meetings with them and tears shed on the table. You know what they told me? Out of all of this, this is what is most important to us. Never mind the the nights filled with pain and the bad reactions to medicine and the cancer and all that it means. The number one thing we want to come out of this is this. I want everyone around us to see that Jesus is so beautiful and so precious that sickness and health, health is not more valuable than him. Even life is not more valuable than him. And Dave spent his last years pouring in to students, still showing up in the school and loving on them. The legacy, the number of living stones that will bear the fingerprints of this couple in heaven I can't even begin to put a number to. See, that's what we're about. As we talk about the mustard seed campaign, there's a lot of things that I get really, really excited about. All the improvements that we're talking about. But let me tell you this. The expansion, this new addition, this this place that's going to house so much ministry that we might create and polish living stones, we're going to name after Dave and Barb Ingram, the Ingram Center. And let me tell you this, if you look at this campaign that we're talking about and you think, okay, here's a number, it's going to be for this and this, and you make it about cinder blocks and bricks and mortar, you've missed it. You've missed it. This mustard seed campaign is not about bricks. It's not about cinder blocks. It's not about designs. It is about the stones that will go on forever to make that holy city that will shine with the glory of God forever. And this mustard seed campaign, that's what we're building. And if it's not, I hope the whole thing goes away. But I get excited thinking about how we can expand and advance this kingdom into Broward County to take and capture and polish more living stones for the glory of God and for their good. And these families and children and in all the incredible ministries that this church has to offer. And I hope that you'll partner with us for the living stones. Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that you chase after us the very ones who spat in your face The very ones who say, no, I want the throne. Your mercies are new every morning. I thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you that you enable us and resource us to do the ministries that we do here 
at Rio and Bethany, and Lord, I pray that through this and going forward, that by your Spirit, you would fill our sails, that we would advance your kingdom of light into Broward County as a school and church united to conquer the kingdom of darkness, to give wings to the tears of the broken families that we see day in and day out. And Lord, that you would give us the ability to be the hands and feet of Jesus and that we would love like you loved, selflessly and with open hands to give everything for the building of your kingdom that is made with living stones. Amen.